Just over 200 years ago, France was ruled by the Sun King. Whatever Louis XIV said, that was law. To prove it, he built the most extravagant palace in Europe at Versailles. It's just outside of Paris. The opulent chateau and incredible gardens showed the rest of the world what a palace could look like, and it served as the seat of France's government for a hundred years. Today, as a museum, it's overwhelmed with visitors and requires a little expert advice to help put together an enjoyable visit. Our guests are tour guides who specialize in showing Americans the great sights of France. Patrick Vidal lives in Brittany, and American-born Julie Sanvaux is raising her family in Burgundy. Patrick and Julie, thanks for being here. You're welcome. <laughs> Bonjour. 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 Now, Patrick, what does Versailles symbolize to a French person? Well, Versailles symbolizes the old power of France, the time when uh, Louis XIV was uh, running Europe and being the big guy with the big muscles. I mean, Versailles is really showing the muscles of the monarchy. So that's one side of it. And the second side is where Louis XVI was arrested and taken to the uh, guillotine and uh, the end of the monarchy as well. So it's a lot of history in the same place, only one place. It's a very interesting place. So there is a lot of centuries of French kings, and it uh, really is the last century, really. Yeah, it's, that, it didn't last very long. I mean, we think this, yeah. uh, think Louis XIV, 15, and 16, that's about it. Could you say that Louis XIV was sort of the pinnacle of this idea of the divine monarch? Definitely, yeah. Absolute monarchy was at its best, or as its most, I should say, with Louis XIV, and that's the beginning of the end. That's because the they overreached. Now, Julie Sanvo, when you think of the word divine monarch, uh, how do you explain that to your travelers? What is a divine monarch? Well, divine monarch, I think uh, what Patrick was trying to say is just that the world was revolving around him. He wanted to be the absolute monarch. He was Louis XIV, the first one that said, I'm the one that's going to make all the decisions here. And he designed his whole living situation, the Versailles, the, the chateau, and the city, to revolve around him from the time he woke up in the morning until the time he went to bed at night. And so everything revolved around him like the sun. And so it was all about him. So he was nicknamed the Sun King. The Sun King, yes. I, I love that medallion where the sun is shining not on the people but on Louis, and it bounces off of the king and warms up the people indirectly through their divine monarch. Through their divine, yes. Wow. And the big challenge was to con your people into thinking that God says you get to be king. Right. And publicize it in art and in everything to the propaganda out there proving it. Patrick, what's the famous French, uh, the state that's me? What is that in Louis said? L'état c'est moi. It's yes. a rhyme, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's, uh, simple. that's as simple as that. It's, uh, I am the state. I can, I can dictate my laws to absolutely anything. Think of the orangerie the big places where they grew uh, orange trees and lemon trees. Yeah. I can detect my law to the people, to everything else. I should be able to detect my law to trees as well, to the nature, to whatever I want to I want to turn to myself. So that's the way it works. There's this interesting notion. I'm, I'm just fascinated by this idea of really causing people to believe that God said, you get to be the king. And it seems to me, Julie, that the king needed to control nature to impress on his people that God ordained him to be powerful. Well, in his gardens was a big way that he did that. He would actually have the plants changed at night. So when he woke up in the morning, there would be different plants there. If it was freezing cold outside and there weren't supposed to be orange trees, there would be orange trees anyway. So he was in control of, of that kind of thing. So if I was a commoner and I would uh, stroll out to Versailles, I would see orange trees and I would go, oh, I'm so thankful that my king can grow orange trees. Nobody else can. <laughs> but think, think of the uh, construction of the state. I mean, it was the clergy, the nobility, and the rest of the world. So the clergy and the nobility have always worked together to make people believe that they had the power in their hand. And the absolute 
top of that is the king running absolutely everything and being a god. And that's that's the old regime. That's, that's the, the idea. Before they cut the king's head the off and the, and, the, regime, yes. mm-hmm. and the people uh, had enough. Mm-hmm. When you're taking your groups out to Versailles, Patrick, what is one thing that you impress upon the group so you can understand the importance of Versailles? How I think you... that's, that's what uh, Julie said before. It's the fact that it was built around him. And if you look at certain points, certain places in the town, in, the, in front of the chateau, you see the chateau itself. And then you turn around and you see the town which was built. The streets of the town were built to imitate the ray of the sun facing the, uh, the east, the, the rays of the sun. And also, there was no building allowed to be as tall or taller than the chateau itself. You get off the train coming in from Paris, and you walk around the corner, and there it is. There it is. There it is. It's symmetrical. <laughs> voilà. It's a grand boulevard, and you feel like, holy cow, this yeah. guy is powerful. Mm. I better but fall before, in line. Before you get there, when you leave the train, you get to the corner where you see the chateau, and you turn around, and you see the town hall. Uh-huh. And the town hall is taller than the chateau, but the town hall is 19th century. So that wouldn't have been... That's been built after. Post-decapitation. Absolutely. That's a republic, <laughs> that's a republic thing. Uh, the republic. Uh, and the republic is, the is trying to show that they are taller than the, uh, than the chateau. You know, that's a fundamental thing about traveling in France. It's just this... The French really were groundbreaking in stopping the old regime and establishing the people's government, the republic. But it took a lot of blood. It took a lot of blood and and several revolutions. It didn't go away easily. Yeah, we always think of the French Revolution like, okay, the French Revolution happened and and it was Republic and that's we were running from there. It took 100 years. 100 years. 100 years. Yeah, I mean, the third Republic and Republic for Good is uh, 1871. Fascinating. So it's a long, long time, yeah. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Patrick Vidal and Julie Sonveau. We're talking about Versailles. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. You can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Ash is on the line in Detroit. Ash, thanks for your call. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So me and my husband will be visiting Paris, and we would like to make a trip to Versailles, spend about a whole day there. I read a lot about Louis XIV, and he been called the Sun King. So we are really looking forward to the trip. And as a first-time traveler, we're looking for some tips, you know, on planning our first trip to Paris and to Versailles. Julia, a major challenge is dealing with the crowds. Ash is going to be there. Any advice on handling the crowds at Versailles? Yeah, there's a lot. of The line is really, really long. And if you're an individual wanting to get in to have the museum pass, it's going to be your best bet to be able to butt in the, that line. And, okay, so and that get in. big, long line right. is people waiting to buy a ticket. But if you buy this Paris museum pass, it includes nearly all the major sites, including Versailles. Then you have to be sort of aggressive and get to the front of the line. Yes, you do. Yeah, and then and you can actually that's save. Being French. You can save an hour. So <laughs> your your advice: be French. Be uh, French. Get up to the front um, of the line. You've got the pass. My timing is essential as well. So it's better to be there in the morning, early as early as possible, to get the opening of the doors and to get less people. But also places like the uh, the Petit Trianon and the extra chateaus you can see in the gardens are open only in the afternoon. So okay. you, you want to play a little bit with that. Know when the museums, when the palace is going to close, and that the closing time is probably the last entry time. Yes. And if it's really crowded in the middle of the day, you could go out into the grounds. Absolutely. And, come and, back and, and the then come end. back later. And a good tip as well about Versailles is to explore the town itself as well, because it's a purpose-built town which we overlook very often that we don't go to at all. Absolutely. But it's a very interesting town. The, the cathedral itself, the center of the little mm-hmm. market twice or three times a week. And it's a very, very interesting little town, which is worth walking out. And you've got a little bit of a village feeling with uh, mm-hmm. built in the 1700s. France was the most centralized government. And when the royalty was at the palace, 
You yeah, have a whole town to support. Absolutely. Whole I mean, town. The mm. idea about, about the Chateau de Versailles originally for Louis XIV was to bring the nobility out of their comfort of Paris, take them next to him in the Chateau de Versailles now, as, as uncomfortably as possible, as possible. Now, that was a very interesting power trick for the king to control the nobility. That was called the domestication of yes, the nobility. Yeah, yeah. Exactly what was but that? But the idea was, the uh, I mean, during his childhood, there was a, a noble front revolution kind of right. thing. They, they almost lost the power. So as soon as Louis XIV took power, he decided that he wanted to reign on his own. He didn't want the nobles to get as much power as they had before. So he was traumatized by the nobles when he was a child Absolutely. and very aggressive as yeah. an adult. Ash, thanks for your call. I hope you have a great time at Versailles. Thank you so much. Thanks for all the tips. You thanks bet. A lot. Bye now. And Phyllis is calling in from Demotte in Indiana. Phyllis, thanks for your call. Thank you for taking my call. Um, the last time that I went to Versailles, I went on a day when the fountains were on, and they were just amazing. I just can't even imagine going when they are off <laughs> from now on. But we did find um, that there was quite a bit of crowd. Um, and I'm wondering, I, you say to go to the gardens or the Trianon first, but does that really help? And will there be a time to get in the palace? I mean, we had the Paris Museum pass. But there was still a really long line to get into the palace. That's a good so question. Do we, Julie, do, do you that? risk when you go in the afternoon not physically not getting into the palace because the line is so long? Well, you'd have to watch your timing on that. The crowd peters out toward the end of the day. It, it does. It does. It, but if you really want to make sure that you get into the chateau, then mm-hmm. be there early in the morning. And but, Versailles is a crowded place. So when you go at the time when the fountains are running, and it's going to be a fountain? double. It's it's on weekends and it starts in spring around April or May, something like that. So it's, it's mainly on Saturday, Sundays. Saturday and Sunday in, yeah. in the season. Yeah, that would yeah. be more crowded. And yeah. then one day of the week, the palace is closed. Which is the Monday, if I've got it right. I think it's Monday, yeah. yeah. It's Monday. Therefore, yeah. uh, it's going to be more crowded on Tuesday. Tuesday, mm-hmm. Tuesday the, is a really crowded because day. Because everything's closed in Paris mm-hmm. and the palace museums, was closed yeah. the day before. So. And, and then weekends, naturally on weekends, plus the fact that the fountains are on brings more people as so well. So Wednesday and Thursday and Friday might be the less crowded yeah. times to go. Phyllis, thanks for your call. Thank you. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking with Patrick Vidal and Julie Sonvo about Versailles, the greatest palace in Europe, I think it's fair to say. When I'm there, I just think of the triumph of the commoner. When you go to Versailles, how do you think of the old regime in the modern world? Well, when I go out to Versailles and when I take groups out to Versailles, they get it. They get the revolution when they see the spending out there. And, of course, it's fabulous that we have it and all, all the art and the architecture and the gardens. And it's beautiful, but it's so over the top that you understand how the people felt. And especially when they went out there and saw what was going on out there, um, how the revolution could get such an ampleur. And eventually they went out there with their paring knives and their rolling pins and they brought them into town and yeah. the house arrest yeah. and eventually mm-hmm. chopped off their heads. I look at it from the other side, I mean, from the monarchy's side and... Uh, Think of the sentence that uh, Marie Antoinette uh, arguably said, uh, they don't have uh, bread, give them cakes. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to look at that and think that the monarchy was completely disconnected from the real world. They had no idea. They thought everything was fine. They, mm. d- they didn't have any contact with the real world. They were so detached from reality. Absolutely. They couldn't see what was going on and what came on. They should have. And maybe there's a lesson today for uh, leaders and mm, politicians maybe, who maybe, might be detached mm, from reality. <laughs> Julie Sanvo and Patrick Vidal, merci bien. This is very interesting about Versailles. Avec plaisir. <laughs> Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. 
This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.